Now, that's all well and good, and these are all accurate statements for today. Your statement's very accurate for today and what we're doing. It does take courage. Yep. It does take courage. And that's the point I'm going to make here, too, is that you have to understand that we're having this conversation now in, a, in an environment where we're all together and we're all fellowshipping together. But when we're feeling our worst and we're alone and we're in a, our, in a dark place by ourselves, that's when we have to recognize that it does take courage. It does take an outlook where, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but you are still present in our midst. And I think that's what we need to take away from this whole study. And I've already jumped ahead and I already know what's coming up in the next study. And it takes some real soul searching. And it challenges your faith. One of the things I have to, you have to understand too about your faith, Pastor Gus and whoever is leading a Bible study or any can give instruction based upon what God's word is. You have to experience it for yourself. There's no one that can make you experience anything. You have to experience it yourself. You have to have your own encounters with God. I guess that's a good way to put it. Your own encounters with God. Yes, he's, he's always present, but there are situations where you have to have sit-down, moment-by-moment encounters with him. I mean, I, I can't imagine how a person feels when they're going through a cancer treatment but those people who have been in cancer treatments and, and someone that I know right now who's a, a dear friend is going through this chemo thing and just had a staph infection and had to go to the hospital and had to stop the chemo treatments because he had 103 fever. And so he's been in and out of hospitals now for the, all year long. For four or five times this year he's been to the emergency or been to the hospital. And it definitely takes a toll on you. But it also helps you to recognize, you know, your normal routine is not going on now. There is no normal routine. You're used to going to work and sitting down and doing your work at a desk or working however it is. There is no longer a normal routine. That certainly opens up and changes your perspective on things when you're going through that type of illness. Not to mention the pain and misery that comes from that as well, too. Is there anything worse than a catheter? You know what I mean? You know, this guy's been scuffling with catheters all year. Where even the catheter, if it's not done properly, can cause an infection. Now, I don't want a catheter. If I, ever, if I never have to get a catheter in my entire life, I'll be very, very happy about that. Because they're just, it's just terrible. Unfortunately, that's what my friend is going through now and having to deal with that thing and so the nurse had to come by and show his wife how to put the catheter, take the, to remove it and clean it and do all this other stuff. And, and so she can become an expert at that because you have to be able to do that too. It does give you a new respect for what nurses have to do. It really does because they have to do it all the time. Yes, I'm sorry. It's a new normal. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. That's right. That's exactly right. It's shocking. It's an absolute shock. You're used to being healthy or doing things to make yourself healthy, and now all of a sudden 
you're dependent on other people. You know, my, my, my wife's dad had to see that for himself too. You, you, when you become dependent, it changes your perspective on things. And I really believe that God allows these things in our lives because we need that perspective. Not fun, but we need it. And what I hope that you take away from this before we plow back into this again is this should hopefully help you with greater empathy for other people who are struggling. You know, it's just, and even if you can't see something physical, it may be something where, where they have depression. You know, well, the, the, the callous approach is to say, just snap out of it. Well, you know what, if they could snap out of it, they wouldn't be in depression. Unfortunately, even Scripture deals with people who have been in depression. I'm sure David was depressed. I'm sure, you know, writing, going back and forth and talking about those things. And the different psalmists demonstrate that as well, too. They suffered depression as well, too. Elijah is another one. Now, who, imagine that. Elijah had depression. So we're not talking about something you can just snap out of it. It's tough. Remember, we live in a world where sin is dominant. We're in a fallen world. We, as a people, need to have greater empathy for those around us who are struggling and scuffling. And be mindful and prayerful for them as well, too. So let's go back to Habakkuk's response. Go back to Habakkuk chapter 3. And we're going to try and wind this one down here with the time we have. Because we're still in the introduction for this study. (laughs) How about that? Now, chapters 1 and 2 of Habakkuk talked about how God was speaking about all the calamity that was going to take place against the people of Judah. And it was going to be a very strong invasion. They were going to be wiped out. Everything that they had was going to be wiped out. And Habakkuk was the one who was essentially the prophet that was being given this revelation to share and speak with the other people. So if you go down and look... Well, let's go back to... Yeah, back to verse 17. And even though there is a day of distress coming, there is an invasion coming, Habakkuk takes the time to rejoice. It says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights for the choir director or on stringed instruments. So what Habakkuk is truly celebrating, even though there's nothing around him, no food, nothing really to go after, he's got his health. He's got his health. Jeremiah, if you recall, right before the invasion when King Nebuchadnezzar came in and and destroyed Jerusalem, there was no food there then. They had run out of food. There was nothing to eat. 
I'm trying to imagine a world today where you can't go and get something to eat. You know, you talk about something that we take for granted today. You know, we, we, there are any number of grocery stores all around us where you can go and buy some food. Now, we can talk about how expensive it is or all that good stuff, but ultimately you can get something to eat. Or you can go to any number of restaurants around you and sit down. We went to a restaurant. Got to recommend Mabel's Barbecue. It's downtown Cleveland on 4th Street. It's one of Michael Simon's restaurants. Mabel's Barbecue is the best barbecue I've ever eaten in my life. And you don't even need sauce on that, those pork ribs. But just let, that's just an example. You take it for granted. You can just go and do whatever you want and go and eat wherever you'd like to. Imagine not being able to go get food. Any food, right, any food. We're talking about, you know, you're fighting with the ducks and the birds or whatever for food. Any food. But that's this circumstance here. That's what you read about in Jeremiah. There wasn't any food. No livestock. No olive crops. But yet he can rejoice. I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What an attitude to be able to do that. Not sure I could. But I think it comes right down to the depth of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it comes down to the depth. All right, go back to the handout. It's in the second part down below where it says JR. Do you know why he could be content enough to rejoice even in such loss? It was because his satisfaction didn't come from answers. I deliberately italicized that. Because I want you to see that typically what we always want to do is get questions answered. Why is this happening? What is going on? Who is doing this to us? How can I overcome this? We are always asking questions. You know why? We're wired that way. We're inquisitive. We want to know. We want solutions. We want answers. We typically don't like when answers are not being provided to questions. We don't like that. We, you know, sometimes it's going to happen, but we don't like it. We typically want answers. And when things happen to us, you know, when you get hit with a divorce and someone who wants to divorce you, the first thing you ask is, why are you divorcing me? And you know, you may never get that answer. You may never get a straight answer. You may never get the correct answer. You may never, never know the reason why it's happening. I know that for a fact. So you may never get the exact answer you want. And that is okay if you don't. Because sometimes it's just better to leave it alone. Now that's where a lot of this is heading here as we talk about this study. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. Although I was in the Word, yep. but the thing is that sometimes I really feel that God takes you into these places so you know what's going on and what that is. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that what was happening was I was dying to go to college. Mm. Once I found that out, what happened is by my studying and things like that and praying, 
I realized that I had a Gabala that should be that. Okay. And I rebuked that Gabala. Okay. Yep. I was rebuked it. I cast it back. I love it. Come up again. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm a child of God. I've had okay. to do that a lot, but I'm going to tell you, God put me in a place that I have never, ever been. That's right. I mean, since I sent to the old camp, yeah. I have never done that. But you know what? Mm-hmm. As soon as I started rebuking that and just studying the Word of God, mm-hmm. all of a sudden my daughter came to me. I was like, all of a sudden, uh, I changed maturity because they set me on with the God. Okay. So, you know, once you get through, it doesn't mean I'm a false you. No. A new you. That there's light at the end of the tunnel. That's right. Sure. He gives you the ability to do that. There you go. Now that's that's a great example of what. Notice how I said you have this. This stuff has to happen to you personally, for you to really appreciate it. You certainly will have empathy for those around you who are going through something. But I want you to understand the depth of this. This is part of your training in your discipleship. This is, this is part of your understanding. Sometimes you have to experience things yourself to be an expert for others. So right now, I can be an expert on divorce. You know, unfortunately. And some of us know what that means. You know what I mean? It, it, you're able to share and help people. And you can help them to not get divorced, too, if there's an opportunity. You don't have to. But you also don't want to be anti-biblical about it. You want to make sure that you're giving the right counseling, the right information, the right guidance from the Lord. You need to be prayerful about anything you say. You have to be. But this helps you to see a lot differently sometimes when there are bad outcomes that you can still rejoice. You can still rejoice because you know where you were And you know where you are today, and you know that you would not be where you are today without the Lord. Period. And that is is exclusive. That's not exclusive for me or anybody else. That's for everybody. You know where you were, and you know where you are now. And you know that you have to attribute it to the Lord himself. And nobody else. Now, will the Lord send people in your life to do things like the $100 here and all? Absolutely, because he works through other people to reach you. If you are faithful, he is faithful. That's the one thing we have to see. Even in the midst of tragedy and disaster, if you are faithful, he is faithful. He gives you exactly what you need. Okay, so... The satisfaction didn't come from answers. Remember, there was no answer to Habakkuk about what was happening. He knew that there was an invasion coming. He knew there was going to be disaster coming. He knew people were going to be killed. He knew that this was going to be a devastation. I know for a fact there's a lot of folks in this world, if something bad happens, they ain't going to be ready for it, and they won't know what to do about it, and they won't know who to go to. But you do know who to go to. You absolutely know what to do. You have to be available for those people when something bad happens. 
Habakkuk's satisfaction and hope came from the encounter with God his questions caused. Unanswered questions can be the missing pieces that help us really know God. That's what we really want, isn't it? To know God intimately, not just know about him. That's the key. Know God intimately. You're learning about God on a very intimate level when bad things happen. Fair enough? You can do it when bad things are not happening. But it takes more effort. Sometimes when stuff comes crashing down and you have nowhere else to go, you have only one place to go and that's God himself, Jesus Christ. Just like when you're ill or terminally ill or going through something like that, you are going to learn about it. And what was mentioned about dying of a broken heart, we've seen people who have had that happen. That abs- you absolutely do have to rebuke that. That is absolutely the case. So that's a very, very poignant way of looking at this. We want to know God intimately, not just know about him. Everybody in this room knows about him. There are folks outside of the faith of Jesus Christ who know who God is, but just haven't acknowledged him as Lord and Savior. Well, We're better than that. We should know him much more intimately than that so we can explain to people about God's goodness. That's what we are called to do when we disciple others. Explain to people about his goodness. Have people wonder, how in the world are you able to function the way you do? And all we can do is attribute it to Jesus Christ to give us energy. Yeah, go ahead. That's true, too. And so you're wondering, why am I going through all of this? Because somebody needs to see how I believe they handle the exact same stuff they're going through. That's right. As opposed to just, you know, throwing in and cussing somebody out and walking away and getting angry. And then it's, you know, how does a believer walk through the exact same trial? That's right. Joyful or come out at least whole. Yeah. And so you, nobody likes to think of it that way because you don't want to think of God using you kind of as a test monkey. And, you know, he's showing everybody how this works for you. Like, well, can't you just bless me and give me money and make my life happy and give me the big house and a great family? Show, show people that way. I don't want to be shown having heartbreak, having my finances fall apart, losing my job, yeah. and still being able to hold it together because of him. That's not the example I want to be. But sometimes you get to be that example. Yeah. And all the, all the folks in Scripture we look at, like James, Jonah, they all had to be our example. They might not have chosen to be the example that way, but they got that choice nonetheless for him. So the key is how you're going to walk through it. Right, exactly. Where is that passage in about the blind man, the man who's blind for 40 years? Is it is it Mark? You guys remember? I'm challenging you now. Where is that blind man? I want to find that because that, that's the example of what you just mentioned. Um, Luke, hold on. I'm going to find you. Bible scholars, unite. Come on now. Don't just stare at me all the time. Mark 8. Mark 8 or John 9. 
Let me see. Uh, I think I think John does, doesn't it? Mark eight twenty two. There's a different one. There's the one who was blind for 40 years. Remember, he kept, they kept asking him questions, and his par- they kept asking his parents about it. And the parents said, hey, I don't know, because they were scared of the authorities. They didn't even want to give the correct answer to that thing. But then I think the disciples, after uh, all was said and done, they came back to uh, and asked a question about this man. What, what he, did he do to be blind? Now, where is that passage? You guys, I just told you about John 9.25. All right, hold on. Now, thank you. Yeah, 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 that's it. Got it. So, go to verse 1. John 9, 1. I'll try to remember that now. Now I know, I know I read it, doggone it. John 9, 1. This is an example where we as believers as well, too, when we look at things that happen to people, we can't draw conclusions. We have a tendency to want to put an answer on everything. We shouldn't do that. You know, you can do that, keep it to yourself, frankly, and work with the Lord on that one. Because, yes, people sometimes do do things to themselves because of sin. No question about it, because you are subject to consequences for your sin. And things can happen. But there are times when, in God's sovereignty, that's not the case. You know, sometimes, if you go to certain circles, that might be seen blasphemous. Because most people really believe that you can do things to yourself, and that's what happens. But that's not the case at all. Scripture shows us. John 9, 1. As he was passing by, he saw a blind man from birth, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now look, here are the disciples asking a question based upon either their understanding or their teaching or whatever it is. Where someone had to do something. To cause this to happen. Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered. What? What do you mean? Neither one. This goes back to what Lynn was saying. This came about. So that God's works might be displayed in him. God has control of everything. The lives of everyone. The author of this study was blind at 15. So that person could actually see up until age 15. And not be legally blind. Change that person's life. But what is that person doing now? Leading Bible studies all over the country. 
which is probably not the plan that she had when she was 14 years old. Her plan was to be a cartoonist and an artist, an illustrator. Change of plan. But God does that. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Okay. 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 Trafficking, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Yep. Yep. No control. That's a lot of our kids. And that one example, there are hundreds of thousands of kids like this. Hundreds of thousands. And I'm not over-exaggerating. It's a big industry. And Ohio, yeah. It's one of the largest in Ohio. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And that's something that we have to understand. Now, you, you look at this and say, how can all this be happening? Let's go back to what we said earlier. What kind of a world do we live in? It's a world of sin. It's rooted in sin. And your question, how does that person get to God? It ain't one, but one way. Jesus Christ. There has to be an awakening for that person as well as other persons, about the importance of God in that person's life, especially when in the midst of tragedy. And one of the things we have to really understand and recognize, too, if you don't think that there's ministry in this area, oh, there certainly is. Now, yeah, it has to come out a little bit. You have to start asking questions and talking to different people, but you've got to find out where your heart is as far as ministering to people and see where you can get involved. Yeah, go ahead. I, you had your I, Go ahead. Let me get her first real quick. You, go ahead. Okay. But you see how those questions were coming up? The questions were coming up. Why did God allow this to happen to me? That's a real good question. But that's a question that you can't really answer. You can only look at the outcome 
of where that person is today compared to where they were before. But I, I hope you can see the depth of this. Go ahead. Yeah. No way. And the key is finding Jesus. Because there's nothing better than that. Now, I, I've got to get to Ronnie. I'll come back over here because we want to wrap this up today as we go into the next lesson next week. Go ahead. It can be, yes. Sure. Yep. It's been going on for a long time. Yes. <laughs> so that was the teaser. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. He is the one who has to penetrate into that life of that person to show the goodness. Y'all ain't going to let me finish this lesson today, are you? Um, I have to finish it today. But go ahead, real quick. That's right. That's what it's all about. Right.
There you go. That's right. So that's, that's exactly why, thank you, that's exactly why we're having this study now. This is what I, I feel God led us to be at this point because we've had some great instruction time with discipleship, but now we need to get a little bit deeper into it. So during this study, you're going to experience lots of different feelings. Feelings like discouragement, disappointment, or anger seem to always show up with our missing pieces. So our goal is to look at these situations of distress as opportunities to help fill these gaps of missing pieces with legitimate growth, maturity, and contentment. There are often no answers for what we experience. You can even underline that. There are often no answers for what we experience. We want answers, but we're not going to get answers. We're not going to be able to answer those questions. Paul had to see how God's grace was sufficient for him. And I'm prayerful that we will also see the same things as we go forth. Remember that? Paul was asking, how come I got these aches and pains? How come I can't get rid of this? And God said, didn't give an answer, just said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's it. And that's the way it's going to be sometimes. And we have to recognize that. So let's look at the three points there. Consider a low point that made you want to give up. What, if anything, prevented you from taking your hard questions to the Lord in that situation? Number two, how might humbly presenting your questions to God illustrate your faith in Him? Number three, identify holes in your faith in order that you can allow for God to fill them. Pray about this process. Remember, in John chapter 17, Jesus was asking all kinds of questions too. About having this cup taken away, you know, having this thing done. And yet, He came back and said, not my will, Lord, but your will. We have to remember that it's not about always getting answers. Answers are not going to always satisfy us anyway. What if it's an answer you don't want? Because that's going to happen. It's better that you don't get an answer sometimes. It's about your being satisfied with where you are in Christ. That's how we really mature in our faith. Because there are going to be missing pieces of our faith that need to be filled with something. And sometimes it's just with the presence of God and being satisfied for where you are. I mean, some of us go years before we get satisfaction or answers. But in that time, what are we doing? Are we really growing and maturing in our faith? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to look at this study Look at our lives. Look at where we are. And Lord, you know how we are wired. We do want answers to questions. But Lord, help us to even understand in the midst of these times when we're asking and we don't get answers, that you are our ultimate satisfaction. You and your presence are what help us to get through those situations. And not just even get through them, but grow in them. We thank you for your loving presence and we thank you for your patience with us too. We thank you for providing us with comfort when there's nothing around us that would lend it to comfort. 
We do pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We will pick up with lesson one next week.